0: Hey, this is Israel. Here at The River, we're all about the message of the gospel of peace, that the Bible says beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel or the good news of peace. So we have good news for you, the war is over. God is not angry at you, God is in love with you, and you can have peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, we hope this message is a blessing to you. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com for more. So, we begin reading. I almost wanted to read the whole chapter, but I thought I'd better not. It's just 13 verses Isaiah 55 and verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Verse 4, Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Right there, he's, not, he's no longer talking about David, the King David. He's talking about great David's greater son, Jesus. Messianic prophecy. Isaiah was called the Messianic prophet. Verse 5, Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Everybody say amen to that. Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 10. For as the rain comes down, And the snow from heaven, and returns not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Verse 12, For ye shall go out with joy. And be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Hallelujah. And then finally, verse 13 says Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. How many of you would like to see the things that you do succeed? Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Father, thank you for this day and for the Word of God. Thank you that you give to your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ, and that this is a new day, a new day in a new covenant. This is a day that we as the children of God can set forth our our lives before the public to be seen as citizens of heaven glory be to god children of the most high god thank you lord for these sure mercies of david the sure mercies of david glory to god in this new covenant this new day this new hour we thank you lord for giving us a new path hallelujah new and living way all that is new is in christ hallelujah everything else is old and passing away but all that is in christ is new you've made us new creations praise god Given us new life, and for that we give you thanks today. May we live our lives that are as symbols and examples of what newness means. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Glory to God. I heard a story about an old boy who was late for his job. He was he was a, a juggler. He was going to a party and he was flying too fast James pulled him over (laughs) you remember that guy he walked up there when the cop got up there he looked in the back seat and saw, saw, saw machetes in the back seat and he stands back pulls his gun says get out of the car and the guy gets out of the car and he's holding that gun on him he said, what are you doing with all these weapons in your car? He said, I- I'm a juggler. I juggle those machetes. That's, he said, you're a juggler, are you? Well, let me see you. you juggle them. So the poor guy opens the back seat, gets the machetes out, starts juggling them. The cop's standing there holding his gun on him. He's juggling the machetes. Another car goes by over there on the highway, two of them. Two guys had just gotten saved. And one of them looked at the other, and he said, saw that juggling going on over there. And he said, boy, I'm glad I quit drinking. You know, those sobriety tests are getting to be Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I may be thankful you got saved. You know, I mean, it's just getting worse and worse. Just, they, they say that they... <laughs> They said 2010, January 1st, 2010, some 40,000 new laws came into being. I don't know how many came in in 11 and 12 and 13. That was even before Obamacare. Just imagine how many more laws there are. I mean, the laws and laws. are just thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of laws. Every year, tens of thousands of new laws. And still people hurt themselves. Still people hurt each other. Still people do wrong. Law is not the answer. I'm thankful that we have laws. How many of you are thankful that we have laws? I'm thankful for that. But I'm saying it's not the answer to fix what's wrong. Here he said, the new covenant, you have the sure mercies of David. David, I looked up this word, sure mercies. I want you to hear what he's saying here. The new covenant was going to be like. He's not talking about the law of Moses here. He's talking about the sure mercies of David. Remember, I've taught you already that that we there are three stages. There's three stages. There were three old testament forms of worship the, the 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 tabernacle of moses the tabernacle of david and the temple of solomon and the tabernacle of david is you the tabernacle, tabernacle of david is the gentile church because we got in without circumcision we got in without keeping the law we got in without doing anything except faith in god through the lord jesus christ faith and that what jesus did for us praise god that when he died for our sins he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures that faith in god faith in what Jesus did that's what brings you into this tabernacle of David Acts chapter 15 it's real clear that that was going to be called the tabernacle of David David it was the fulfillment of Amos 9 11 which which said he was going to rebuild the tabernacle of David so that all the Gentiles could run into it praise God because we could not get in through the law we just could not get in through the law I I just couldn't live up to that as I've said about a hundred times here I can't live without bacon I ain't doing it (laughs) <laughs> and God knew there was no way for me to go to heaven without, without keeping the law. I, I, I just I'm not gonna try. i am not going to try. I can't even order a cheeseburger without getting bacon on it. Amen. Praise God. And by the way, fellas, I'm going to tell you young guys, if you like that girl and you like the way she looks and the way she smells and the way she talks and all that, and you're not married yet, you're a young folks, don't worry about it if she can't cook. It used to matter that she could cook. It doesn't matter that she can't cook. If she can't cook, you just keep plenty of bacon in the house and throw it in whatever she's messing up. And bacon will pretty much fix everything. It'll make it okay. Am I right? I mean, if it's not any good, you just put bacon in it, it fixes it. There's my answer. Amen. What a revelation, praise God. This church likes it when I preach about bacon. He said, sure mercies, sure mercies. I looked it up and, and, and because we could not get in. We had to get in some other way. So he made, it, he made a way so that he would lay the sins of the whole world over onto Jesus and tell us if you will believe in Jesus, if you will believe that what he did is, was enough to satisfy the righteous standards of the law, praise God, that God will just let you in on the basis of that. How many of you are thankful today for Jesus? I am so thankful for Jesus. The word sure, there's the word aman, A-W-M-A-N. It's a Hebrew word, aman, and here's what it means. Properly to build up or support, to foster as a parent or nurse. Figuratively to be firm or faithful, to trust or believe. Oh, Oh, so now that word sure is really a faith word, isn't it? To trust or believe. So he said, I'm going to give you the believing word. Ah, the believing mercies, the faith mercies, hallelujah. And the word mercies is the old Hebrew word chesed. And it means kindness, piety, beauty, favor, good, deed, loving, kindness, merciful, kindness, mercy, pity. Ah, so you hear what that's saying. He's talking for sure. He's describing exactly what the new covenant's going to be about. That you're going to get into this deal by the pure, unmitigated favor and kindness of God the moment you believe. That's what sure mercies mean. Sure mercies of David. He's just defining what the new covenant is all about. Amen. And David's the guy that knew, man. He knew. He knew. I don't know if you noticed, but the things that he did, he deserved to die for, but he didn't. Who knows why God was just merciful to David? He killed a whole bunch of people for less than that. You understand that? Did you ever see, you know, you remember poor Uzzah? I always felt sorry for this guy named Uzzah. The ark is on, a, is on an ox cart that Uzzah didn't build. Uzzah's just walking along there, and the oxen stumble, and the ox cart shakes, and the, and, the, and the ark of the covenant almost tips, and Uzzah reaches up to keep it from falling in the mud. Just touches the thing, just to try to hold it up, bam, and he falls down dead. She, David sleeps with another man's wife, puts him out in front of the battle, has him killed purposely, and gets away with it. I don't wanna hear, I don't care anything about Uzzah's ideas about mercy. I wanna know about David's ideas of mercy. (laughs) <laughs> now his son, I mean, his ba- the baby that was out of that product sure sure, uh, paid a p- terrible price. He died. But I, I need David's kind of mercy, not Uzzah's kind of mercy. You understand what he said That's why he's making a big deal about this. In Romans chapter 4, da- uh, Paul quotes David saying this, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now this is David talking. We're not talking about, it, about a guy who hadn't committed sins. We're talking about... God who just won't count it against him. I don't know about you, but I got mine all taken care of at a place called Calvary. And God stopped counting my sins against me because he considered them all having been laid on Jesus the moment I believed. He imputed the very righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ into your life the moment you believed. God likes you just like he likes Jesus. And he really likes Jesus. He loves you just like he loves Jesus, and he really loves Jesus. He thinks you're righteous just like he thinks Jesus is righteous, and he really thinks Jesus is very righteous. Amen. It's as good as it gets, and the Lord God Almighty deems you that way because he's saying here in this prophetic word that when the new covenant comes, it's going to be a sure mercy, hallelujah, a faith mercy. It's going to be an unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. We call the thing grace. New covenant realities come to you on the basis of hearing. Listen to this. He said it here in this verse 13, incline your ear. Incline your ear. New covenant realities come to you on the basis of hearing. Incline your ear. Not necessarily talking about your physical ear, but those auditory waves going into your auditory nerve, those audio waves going into your auditory nerve, that creates a hearing. But really, you have to hear it with the heart. You hear it on the inside. You hear what God's really saying. Sometimes a preacher will fumble and stumble. He'll say things he doesn't mean to say. He'll get his tang all tangled up and, 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 and miss, the, miss the whole point. But, but you have to hear the message. You have to hear the message all on the inside, you see. New covenant realities come to you on the basis of hearing, hearing. I was, years ago, I heard a story from a man by the name of John Garlock, who was one of my numerous mentors. John Garlock mentored me in, in preaching. And he uh, he said one time when he was living in South Africa, his his dad was H.B. Garlock, the great African missionary. And Brother Garlock was raised down there in Southern Africa, uh, even though he was an American. He uh, <coughs> Said that Oral Roberts was coming to town, and Oral had made connection with him, or Oral's ministry had made connection with him to be the area coordinator, you know, the coordinator for this great crusade that Oral Roberts was going to come to South Africa, Johannesburg, if I remember right, and, and do a healing service and a, an a evangelistic crusade. So uh, time came, and as the word of the meeting got out, there was a Christian lady who lived in the community, and next door to her was a woman who was not a Christian. And that woman had a blind little girl. A little girl that, as far as we know, had been blind from birth. She was just five years old or something. And uh, the neighbor lady, she says to the little girl, or says to the woman next door, she said, you know, uh, why don't you take your little girl to the Oral Roberts meeting and let him pray for her? Now, the woman wasn't a Christian. She wasn't a Christian. Why don't you take the, the and just see, what do you got to lose? And so she did. She took the little girl and went to the Oral Roberts meeting. The night of the crusade, Brother Roberts is up there and he starts preaching. And John Garlock said, uncharacteristic and very unlike Oral Roberts, he preached for nearly an hour and a half, which was not his habit. He said he preached about an hour and a half and then started praying for people and prayed for people another hour and a half. So he was just worn completely out, and there were still people down the aisle, out the, aisle, the center aisle that left the building, still people down, lying down the center aisle on either side of the aisle, standing there wanting to be prayed for. So Oral got everybody prayed for, and, and he's down that aisle, and he's thinking, my car is out here, waiting out here in front, and it was, his car was <laughs> waiting out front for him. And so it was a huge hall. He walks down, and he just walks in amongst the people and just starts laying hands on people. Lord, bless this one. Lord, touch that one. John Garlock was there. He said, I heard how he was praying. Lord, bless this one. Touch that one. Heal this one. Ah, in Jesus' name, touch that one. And just walking out of there, and he's headed for his car. Felt like he wasn't meaning business. But somewhere in that line was that woman with that blind girl of hers. And he just touched, touched, touched. Touch and moved right on out went and got in his car and went to the hotel and went to bed. Somewhere in that line was that woman with that blind little girl. She took her home blind as she had come. Put her to bed and Mama got up the next morning. The little girl slept in the living room. It was a small little house they had, poor people. The little girl slept on the couch in the living room. Mama slept in the adjoining room. She was on her way through the living room out to the kitchen. You know, you've seen those little houses that didn't have a hallway, just one room connected to the next. She walked out of her bedroom through the living room and flipped on the light. And when she flipped on the light, her little girl said, Mommy, what is that? She said, What's what? She said, What is that? She said, Well, baby, that's light. Well, she said, Well, do it again. And so Mom turned off the light, and the little girl said, Oh, now that's the way it was. Do it again, Mommy. And she flipped the light on again. And she said, Mommy, what is that? And Mommy said, well, that's light, baby. She said, light? What is light? She said, that's what you're experiencing right now. You're seeing. She was seeing for the first time. The next day, she could make out faint images. The third day, she could see her mother. And about a week later, she could see her mother's face for the very first time. John Garlock got a call from Tulsa said you got to go check on this to see if this girl's actually healed we we need to verify this Garlock goes out there he said I went out there many times he said the last time I went out there the little girl sitting at the kitchen table coloring in a coloring book just like any six-year-old ought to be (laughs) glory be to God glory be to God amen the new covenant realities come to you from hearing it might be a next-door neighbor that says why don't you just go why don't you just go? I don't know why you're here today, but something drew you here. You heard something. You heard something. I said you heard something. We, we hear things, and it makes us do things. When you hear things, it makes you do things. And the new covenant realities come to you from what you hear. God is designed that Paul said it like this. God pr- chose that by the foolishness of preaching to save people. Hallelujah, I love this. Chose by the foolishness of preaching. That means I have job security. God, God, God is never going to get tired. He's never going to get. You have job security too. There are people all around you that need to hear what you have to say. They need to hear you talking about Jesus. They need to hear you talking about the miracles He's worked in their life, in your life. They need to hear that He's still a God who can heal, who wants to heal, who poured out not only His wrath for against sin upon the Lord Jesus, but also laid the sickness and the disease of all of us over onto Him. The world needs to hear this. They're not going to hear it from the news. They're not going to hear it. From, they're going to hear it from some school teachers but most of them aren't going to say it they're not necessarily going to hear it about the local business unless you're in those places but when you're in those places they can hear it Amen. and that's how they're going to have new covenant realities come to them praise God Amen. the sure mercies the sure mercies of David hallelujah pardon me while I shout this morning I, I'm excited about this seek ye the Lord why I may be found verse 6 call upon him while he is near let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon everybody say abundantly pardon is he going to pardon just enough for you just to squeak into heaven no that is not what first Peter is really talking about that you're just scarcely going to be saved he said if the righteous are scarcely saved where, where shall the ungodly and sinner of appear he's not really saying that the righteous and the uh, that the righteous are going to scarcely be saved not when he's given us an abundant entrance that's not really what that first peter passage is talking about he's been a little bit sarcastic he said you all think that but if that's the case that means there's no hope for sinners yeah. it says exactly the opposite of what we've always been told it means you're not just going to barely squeak in to heaven You're a child of God. You're part of the family. No more than my grandchildren barely get into my house. Now, I have a couple of other family members. I got them yesterday. I bought two kittens. I didn't actually buy them. The lady was glad to get rid of them. (laughs) We'd gone to her garage sale, and she had kittens out there everywhere. Her had cats everywhere, not kittens, but cats everywhere. Had several large cats. And I just happened to, because I've been thinking about getting a cat. I I found a water moccasin in my garage the other day. Miss Ann did. I'm thinking, you know, if I had a cat, you wouldn't be here, you ugly, nasty thing. And it is right. So I asked the lady, I said, do you have any kittens? I didn't want some cat that had already been messed with. You know, I want to raise my own cats. They've got to be hollers. Amen. Holler cat. So I said, uh, "I said, you got any kittens? She said, I sure do. And she, go, she disappears, and 30 seconds later, she comes out with an armful of cats. <laughs> just take whatever you want. I said, well, I'll take that one and that one. So I got me a couple of them so they could, you know, have each other. And already, already they know me. Already they, they wait in expectation for me to open that door. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that. They, they just wait earnestly. Like, like the Bible says, they, wait. they don't know they're looking for me. But when I open the door, they know I'm what they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> To a cat, I have the answers for everything. Praise God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> to a kitten. I like them. My wife's not a cat person. She's a dog person. I say, why do you want something that depends on you all the time? Cats don't ever actually, don't believe that anybody owns them. You never really own a cat. They kind of think they own you. You live with them. They don't live with you. Amen. <laughs> But God's pardon is greater than your sin. This is the the statement I want to make to you. That God's pardon is greater than your sin. He said he shall abundantly pardon. What's that saying? You know why he says that? Because our way of thinking, our natural mind says I've been too bad. I've done too much. I've run too long. Come on, am I talking to anybody in the house? You ever heard that voice in your head, I've just done too much, I've been too bad, I've been gone too long? That's why he says it that way. He will abundantly, abundantly pardon. He's not just going to barely let you in because you were a stray cat on the side of the road and he felt sorry for you. No, he's bringing you right into the family, bringing you right into the family, praise God god's pardon is greater than your sin i heard the story about an old fellow that walked into the bank an old farmer he walked into the bank cashed a check he laid the check down there it was his payment for his crop and they counted out his money 100 200 300 20 40 60 and 21 2, 3 4 24 cents and old Jeb just stood there and looked at the money, looked at the bank teller, looked at the money. Teller said, "Well, is that all of it?" He said, "Well, yeah." Said, "Well, yeah," but just barely is. That's the nature of justice. It just barely is. That's the nature of doing, you know, getting what you deserve. It just barely is. She's not going to give him one penny more than what's called for. It's the nature of justice. You understand? But the Almighty God says he's not going to pardon your sins on the basis of how much you've sinned. He's going to abundantly pardon. Abundantly pardon. That is, he's going to make a way. He's going to make a way for the payment to be settled ahead of time. God does not provide just enough. He provides more than enough. They didn't have quite enough in Egypt. He took them out into the land in the wilderness, which was the land of just enough. Remember, they were in the land of just enough. They could not collect the manna more than one day at a time except on Friday. Friday, they could collect two days because God knew they had to have Saturday. You know, they couldn't work on the Sabbath. So it was a land of just enough. listen you don't want to live in that land it was not the will of God for them to spend 40 years in the wilderness in the land of just enough most of Christianity is still in the wilderness financially where we have just enough but the will of God is for you to get on into that promised land with the land of more than enough come on somebody say amen I'm I'm called to live in the land of more than enough Not not just enough not not enough Egypt was not enough the wilderness was just enough but the promised land was the land that flowed with milk and honey the land of more than enough here you are in this new covenant in the land of more than enough the promised land praise god it's uh it's interesting to note that back in the 50s they started a new magazine called life magazine life magazine anybody here ever read the life magazine the 50s they had the life magazine were you alive in the 60s when they started people magazine you know that's a little narrower life people were you alive in the 70s when they started Us Magazine? You know, life, people, us. The 80s reached the apex of selfishness with the magazine called Self. Life, people, us, self. It's the nature of the, of the way man goes. You become totally introspective. Go from rather than being concerned about all life to just... My life, me, myself, and I. Here's what God says, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Men think of getting even, but God thinks of getting over it. Men think of getting even, but God thinks of getting over it. He could have gotten even easy. But he didn't want to get even He wanted to get over it. There may be things in your life that you really need to get over. But as long as you think about getting even, you won't ever get over it. You've got to find a way of getting over it. Let them defraud you. Let them abuse you. Let them take their wrath out on you even when it's their fault. That's the only way of getting over it. If you want to fight back, you will not get over it. And you won't feel like you got even even if you beat them up. Even if you win, you will not feel like you got even. You, you, you talk to people who, who, who had lost loved ones, who were murdered or whatever, who've tr- been treated horribly by someone else, and finally when they say justice comes, you know, and the guy is convicted, the family, they rejoice in the courtroom, but tomorrow they feel just as bad. It doesn't help at all because they never got over it. They got even but they didn't get over it. You never get even until you get over it. Even if you've got somebody tormenting you, somebody, a, an ex or something like that, and man, the Lord knows they can be, they can be rough. You've got, <laughs> you got an ex bothering you. You know, you listen to me. Listen to me. You've got to let them go. You just have to let them go. You've got to forgive them because the more, the more you hold against them, the tighter that chain is around you because they might not even know that you're holding something against them and they're out there loose and fancy free and living however they want to. And every time, every time they do something else to hurt you, it tightens, you know, chokes you even more. Unforgiveness is a great bondage but forgiveness is a great liberty if it was a great liberty for you praise god imagine what it must have been for the lord god almighty when he poured the sins of the whole world over onto jesus so that he could just get over it see forgiveness wasn't so much it wasn't any more for us than it was for god this was the way he could have a relationship with anybody i mean anybody can come to jesus amen even your ex can come to jesus Probably won't want them in this church, but let's get them in church someplace. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) That'd be all right with me, whatever. Amen. We think of not getting over it, but we think of getting even. And our religion takes on weird, weird aspects when when we think like that. Let me tell you why. Years ago, there was a guy who wrote a book about brokenness. And I hope this isn't your favorite book, but he wrote a book and he went around the country preaching about brokenness. Broken, brokenness, brokenness. And just went through all the Old Testament, preaching all the Old Testament scriptures about brokenness and how important it was to be broken and all that. And I just couldn't, I couldn't understand it. And I'd hear other guys picking up on it and always talking about brokenness, break me, break me. And I'd read the scriptures, I'd read the New Covenant, and I never saw anything like that in there. I never saw anything about it in the New Covenant. In fact, I saw exactly the opposite in the New Covenant. He didn't despise anybody who's broken, he's going to help them. But Jesus was anointed not to break things, but Jesus was anointed to bind up the brokenhearted. I did some deep, intense study. I said, Lord, either I am wrong, and this whole brokenness movement is a move that you've put, brought into place, and I am just a real, I'm a total bonehead, or you've got to show me this in the Scriptures. And everywhere I went to the Scriptures, even one place where Jesus said, you know, uh, it's better for you if, the, if uh, you fall, it, it, you, oh, no, 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 he didn't say it's better to stumble. He said you, you, you stumble at this rock and are broken but but those who how did how did he say it the rock will fall upon you be ground but if the rock falls upon you be ground to powder well he was talking to the pharisees at the moment and what he was talking about to the pharisees they were the ones who stumbled at the rock and what he's really saying is if you stumble here now and you're broken The rock is going to fall on you, and you're going to be ground to powder. Jesus has always been a rock of offense and a stone of stumbling, you understand? I couldn't find any teaching that I needed to be teaching the people of God about being broken. I just couldn't find it anywhere, unless I considered them Pharisees. That ain't fair, you see. It just ain't. (laughs) And I was in Houston, Texas, and a fellow walks up to me, and he says, Hey, do you know who Brother Bro Br- 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 is? And he named the guy that written that book. I said, Yeah, in fact, I do. He said, Well, did you know he's passed away, that he died? I said, No, I didn't. He said, You know what happened to him? They said, You know, he's got that brokenness message. I said, Yeah, I know. He said, They said, that his heart broke, his, literary, his heart just burst, actually broke, and it was a prophetic statement. Of, I said, no, it wasn't a prophetic statement, brother. He's standing right here, I'm in a restaurant, I'm sitting down, he stand, walks up to me. He said, oh yeah, and I said, no, it's not a prophetic statement. He has a covenant too that says he can live a long life. But his, but his heart broke, don't you see? It was, it was indicative of his message. I said, no, what he got was what he confessed. You need to hear this. I don't care who you are, how, how you spell your name. You will get what you constantly confess. You go talking about wanting, wanting a broken heart, you'll get one, and God will not give it to you. Mm, he got what he confessed. Uh, that is not judgment. I'm just telling you the truth, what the Bible teaches us. I confess I am the righteousness of God in Christ every day. I am more than a conqueror. Praise God, and my heart will never break. Jesus was not anointed to break hearts. Jesus was anointed to bind up the brokenhearted. Let's get this straight. Amen. Come on, everybody say sure mercies. Sure mercies. Sure better than, no mercy. better than no mercy. Come on, say it together, sure mercies. Sure better than no mercy. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. To think pardon is to think high did you notice that he said my ways are not your ways my thoughts are not your thoughts the very essence of this is a commentary verse verse eight starts with the word "for." that is it's a commentary on verse seven let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and He will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. And that's when He says, "My ways are not Your ways, my thoughts are not Your thoughts." Glory to God! Hallelujah! For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than Your ways, and my thoughts than Your thoughts. He's not saying because you because you uh, you 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 sin, you think about sin all the time, and my and I never think about sin. He, he he's not saying that's what makes His ways higher. What He's Talking about what makes his ways higher is his way of dealing with sin. Because we think about getting even, but God thinks about getting over it. It's the nature of forgiveness. My my wife's dad lived most of his life as an infidel. He got saved just before he died. Come on, let's rejoice over that. Amen. I'm glad I'm glad he got saved. <laughs> Miss Ann really wanted him in heaven. But he was an alcoholic for most of his life. And in his early 50s, he, he went to AA and got sobered up. Went through the 12 steps and it's a good thing. I'm not going to say AA has it all together. I'm going to say if you had a, a drunk father-in-law and the choice between a drunken father-in-law and a sober father-in-law, both of them unsaved, I'm going to take the sober unsaved father-in-law. For my grandkids for his grandkids to be around yeah. amen so it improved his life improved our life and all but he was a bit religious most of the time till miss ann got to him with the gospel at the end but he said something really awesome one time i asked him about forgiveness ann and i were in the room with him and i said ray or do you think how important is forgiveness in recovery? It's one of the steps, one of the 12 steps, you know. And he said, John, he got this big, gravelly voice. Forgiveness is the greatest gift God ever gave to man. He said, because it sets you free. It may do nothing for the person you forgive but it sets you free. Can I have a good amen? Now here's an old old guy didn't really know the Lord knew that much. I'm just trying to get Christians to believe this. (laughs) Amen. Glory to God. We were here last weekend before last Sunday and I had a we had about 40 people in here from, from around the state of Texas and Oklahoma, various places, Louisiana. The people that I give oversight to, I serve as a, in an apostolic fashion for, for a number of ministries, about 20 churches and their pastors and other ministries. And I'm thankful and humbled by that. I don't know why anybody that knew, knew the Lord as, as well as most of these people do would look to me for leadership, but they do for some reason. And I enjoy it very much. I enjoy ministering to them. Preachers are not easy to minister to. <laughs> They're not. They can be just as big of babies as you. I'm just kidding. Uh, they <laughs> 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 pre- 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 preachers can be big babies. But I love ministering to them, and it's helped keep me sharp and strong in the word, you know, because they often have arguments. But this group is so sweet and kind and just some of the best people. Some of you got to meet them. They were just the finest people on earth. But one young prophet amongst them is a, is a young woman named Misty, Misty Westland. Misty is the daughter of my best friend, Terry Sparks. And that girl is a prophetess. She is strong as two acres of garlic. She is really strong. And when she preaches, man, it comes out like fire. And she told this story that most of you didn't get to hear. She said she had gone taken her nieces and nephews and and her own children to one of these recreation areas that are indoor recreation areas for kids where they have birthday parties and all that kind of stuff it was you know what i'm talking about i don't know in in, in, like E. cheese something like that but is even more so have climbing walls and all you know rock climbing fake rock climbing walls and put on these harnesses and they do all kinds of stuff fun stuff she said and and other kids were climbing this rock wall and I think Misty even said she climbed the rock wall and her little niece Brayley Kay uh, wanted to, she said, Aunt Misty I think I'm going to climb the wall, I'm going to climb the wall and she'd go over there toward it and then she'd run away She said, no, no, I'm not ready. She said, Misty, Aunt Misty, do you think I should do it? I, I really think I can do it. And, and finally she talked herself into it and Aunt Misty said, yes, Brayley Kay, you can climb the wall. So Brayley runs over there and she gets all harnessed up and she starts climbing and she climbs and she climbs and oh, she slipped once and now, but, but she made it, she made it, she finally got right to the top and got a hold of the top of it and was hanging there and everybody was applauding and she was safe and then she looked down Ah! you got to come down braylee braylee you got to just just turn loose baby the rope Ah! that 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 moment what which should have been her greatest victory and the easiest to do was just to turn loose It's the problem with most of us in our faith walk. You work so hard to get where you are, then you hear, well, you really got there by the grace of God. You didn't do anything. All you got to do is just rest. Just turn, it's just so hard to turn loose. <laughs> it's hard to let God be God and show you how strong he really is. That part of your life, which is, should be the most enjoyable, should be where you celebrate the most, isn't in that you, well, I've got to go to church. It's Sunday again. Man, don't I ever get a day off? Listen to me. <laughs> huh? I don't ever get a day off either. That part of you is really the restful part of you. It is that part of you that says that God has already done everything necessary to get you all the way to heaven. I want you to hear me say it. You are not called to try to go to heaven. You're called to believe in the one who made it there on your behalf. Amen. So turn loose. Relax. Let the grace of God do its job, bringing you to heaven. And in the meantime, climb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To think that God did it is to think high. Verse 10, For as rain comes down in the snow from heaven and returns not thither but once but watereth rather the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So is this passage of scripture loaded with good stuff? And bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto whereto I sent it. The fifth thing I want to say to you is that the word of God will produce prosperity in all areas of your life when you return it to him. He said, My word shall not return unto me void. Well how is the word of God going to get back to God? Is there some cosmic trampoline out there making his word go bounce back to him? Is there a gigantic mirror in the ozone somehow causing his word to reflect back to him? No. His word goes back to him when covenant partners standing on earth say it back to him. You said by his stripes I am healed, therefore I am healed. Hallelujah. You said wealth and riches are in my house, therefore I am wealthy and rich. Praise God. You said that no, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against me in judgment I condemn, so here I am condemning it in the name of Jesus. Praise God. You stand on earth saying back to God what he said. Amen. What God said. Amen. Uh, uh, His word's not going to return to him void. What he's saying is if you'll dare by faith to stand on planet earth and say it back to heaven. Say the word of God back to him in your prayers. Amen. I I hear people pray dumb prayers. I hear a lot of people pray. Not necessarily in this church, but I hear prayers of people. They they pray the dumbest prayers to me. They just seem completely silly and out of of unscriptural prayers. When I think what's wrong with learning? Let's learn how to pray by reading the prayers of Paul. When it's that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. That's not squeaking by. That's being filled with all the fullness of God. That's not just living down, down there on Barely Get Along Street at the, end, uh, at, the, uh, at the end of it by Grumble Alley, as Brother Hagan used to say. I, I don't live on Barely Get Along Street. I live, I live in the fullness of God. Amen. You can live in the fullness of God. You can live with, you, you, you can pray that. You can pray that kind of prayer. I'm not where I need to be, but you, you may not be where you need to be, but you can get where you want to be, praise God. You may not be where you need to be, but you can get where you want to be. But it's not without a fight. It's not without, a, it's not without a, a prayer life that makes a difference. Amen. Fight the good, fight the faith. You don't really even have to fight the devil. Just stay in faith and the devil's already beaten. Our fight's not to, not to have to fight the devil all the time. Our fight is to fight the good fight of faith. Praise God. Our friends come from Brother Shambach's ministry, and I, I, I was raised on Brother Shambachck's preaching, and Shambach would say, would say, "You don't have any trouble. all you need is faith in God. Faith in God overcomes our troubles. If, the, if that's not true, then nothing we're talking about works at all. Right. Faith in God overcomes all our troubles. Faith in what Jesus did. Faith. can you put up Philippians 4:19 for me? Israel? Philippians 4 19 says my God shall supply can y'all read it there all my needs according to his riches in glory can I talk to you about this just for a couple of minutes for my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus so God shall supply all your need but he's going to supply your need on the basis of something on the basis of what according to how rich he is. He's not going to supply your need on the basis of how much you need. That's barely get along. That's just enough. He's not supplying your need on the basis of what you need. He's supplying your need on the basis of how much he has. (laughs) That's a whole lot better right there. And my grandchildren come over and ask for chocolate. I don't give them a piece of chocolate. That's just barely getting along. I pull out the whole candy thing and dump it out and say, take what you want. Praise God. Their mama stops them. She's a party pooper. But I, but I, I just dump it out and say, get what you want. Praise God. Hey, I, I know how to supply a need on the basis of how wealthy I am, not on the basis of what they need. Amen. By the way i tell young people all the time i'm going to i'm going to tell you young people something from a grandparents point of view those of you who are raising i walk into restaurants and there'll be a little old kid over there just tearing it up i mean she's just not happy and she's letting them know she's not happy and all that and i walk over to the parents and i always say something like this i know you don't know what to do about this i know you don't know how to stop this and when i was your age and when i was a parent i didn't know either but now i know how to make that stop what tell us give the child what she wants Amen. Praise God. Amen. That kind of fixes everything. <laughs> Come on, grandparents, say amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> the Word of God will produce prosperity in all areas of your life when you return it to Him. God provides on the basis of how wealthy he is and not on the basis of your need. My God shall supply all your needs according to. That is on the basis of. In correlation with how wealthy he is. How does a wealthy man meet a need? As cheaply as he can? Well, he meets needs with extravagance. I had to put this in context. I had to think, okay. God, let's let's just play like God has a need in heaven. Let's just play like that one of the celestial chariots that the angels use has worn a hole in one of the golden streets, and there's a chug hole there now. Let's just play like... God has a need to repair that hole in the street. It could happen. And <laughs> Miss Anne says, no, it can't. I think I've told you all about this. My grandpa Raines, who is my mother's daddy, he used to love, when he retired from the farm and turned it over to my, net, my, my uncle, well, he got him an old maintainer, and he bladed all the roads all over the farm he became the road maintenance guy on the farm because he could just do that and there wasn't any, wasn't any pressure. And he loved doing it, you know, building up the roads and just, you know, just keeping them looking good because you wear holes in farm roads, you know what I'm talking about, in ruts. So he was always out there, you know, they had a, they had a large place and, and he was just always maintaining the roads. That was Grandpa's job. I, I got to thinking, what if they put him over something like that in heaven when he got there? My Grandpa, Wadey, He's working on the roads up there. He gets a call. Yeah, boss, I'm here. Wadey, I'm going to need you to fix that, that, that hole in that street down there by the gate. Yes, sir, yes, sir. We've got to have a good first impression. Yes, sir, I'll fix it right away. So Wadey picks up the other phone. He calls down, down at the asphalt mill. He said, listen, we've got a hole in the, in the celestial street up here, and I thought rather than fill it with dirt or something like that, we'd put asphalt in there. That would be real nice. Okay, all right, send the truck right down. Hangs up the phone here. The other phone rings. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Oh, asphalt won't do. Why, sir, I'm so sorry. You're exactly right. This is heaven. We're going to go first class. Okay, he picks up the other phone. Hey, boys, bring concrete instead. You see what he thinks meeting the need is? My grandpa was known for being tight. Yeah, bring concrete instead. Phone ringing. What? Concrete won't work? Sorry, sir. Uh, 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 well, oh, 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 oh okay it's a precious metal of course I don't know what I was thinking you can't make concrete okay I'll, I'll take care of it sir hey guys scratch all that bring that truck full of silver liquid silver bring it down here and then silver's harder than gold anyway it would be better yeah 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 you know where this is going don't you yeah. what pure gold really lord okay wow How does God meet a need? Extravagantly. He doesn't meet a need on the basis of what's needed. How many of you think asphalt would have worked? Concrete would have worked. Silver would have worked. You can do do all kinds of things and make it work. But it wouldn't meet the need according to the wealthy man. It wouldn't meet the need according to what the wealthy man wanted. Because he knows how to meet a need according to how rich he is according to his riches in glory now the reason i'm telling you that is not let you know how god lives but to let you know what his family he expects his family to be like and the only reason we we don't we're not already there is because we've been duped by religion for so many years to believe that we're supposed to just barely get along Oh, I just want enough money just for me and mine. Listen, God wants you blessed. I've got good news for you. I'm not cursing you if if you're broke today. All I'm saying is I'm trying to elevate your faith to believe God for more. Amen. You can have more than you have. You can have more of everything than you have. We're not just talking about money. You need more love in your life, and I don't know anybody that doesn't need more love in their life. Every sin, every sin, temptation you have in your life, I want you to hear me. Every sin, temptation that you have in your life is not because you're evil. When you've been born again, you've been made new. You're new on the inside. You're just like Jesus. Your heart is made new. But what's lacking is that our souls are still unregenerated. And our soul, in its depths, oftentimes in the depths of our emotions, we don't really know and have not really experienced the love of God. And so our souls and our flesh, they start thinking of ways to scratch a certain itch. But when you are thoroughly and completely loved and know that you're loved, that's when all those sin issues begin to go away. For me to stand up here and bark at you about sin is just going to make you sin worse. I've been in the churches where they do it. I know what I'm talking about. My job is to teach you to get in love and stay in love with the Almighty God who loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And when you know you are deeply loved, all those issues will go away. Hallelujah. Because love conquers everything. Amen. Amen. So... What we're talking about here is a God who brings you to a place of understanding that His Word will always produce prosperity in all areas of your life if you will do your single part is to just say it back to Him. That's what makes our prayer life different from the prayer life of just the religious. Your, your prayer life is not a prayer life, a prayer life of the religious. Your prayer life is a prayer life of a conversation between family members. Most of us tend to, rather than just hear what God is saying, what His Word is saying, we tend to want to just learn by experience. Let me tell you, experience is the hardest teacher because she gives the test first and the lessons after. That's a hard teacher. Young people, hear me. Don't make experience your only teacher. You can't avoid all learning that comes that way. But don't make experience your only teacher. If you want to do more than your parents, you want to do more than your teachers, you want to do more than your pastor, you want to do more than those who are older than you, you want to do more and be greater than the last generation, then learn what they know and move on from there. Don't make experience be your teacher because your experience is a hard teacher. It gives the test first and the lessons after. Verse 12, For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you with singing. And the trees of the field shall clap their hands. so number six is that creation has been awaiting your arrival. Creation. When creation got a load of this new covenant. And the sons of God. The daughters of God. The family of God manifesting in the earth. It says that you shall go out with joy. Hallelujah. I think you ought to leave church. When it says go out with joy, I just always got the impression that you ought to leave church happy, at least happier than when you came. I got so tired of going to church happy and leaving sad that I just quit going to that church. You ought to go out with joy, praise God. You ought to leave happier because you know something more about God than you knew when you went in. Amen. And you learn that he's on your side. He's not opposed to you. He's he's on your side. He's pulling for you. He's not just worried about whether or not you're on his side. He wants you to know that he's on your side. Amen. God has taken sides and he's on your side. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. I want you to put that up there if you would, please. Romans 8, 19. It says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation. The word creation there, in the, in the King James, it's creature. It's the word kitesis. It's K-T-I-S-I-S. Katesis. And it just means creation. It just means all that has been created or any part of what has been created. For the earnest expectation of creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, vanity meaning subject to vanity, the vanity of Adam, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption which came from the vanity. Into the glorious liberty of the, what? All creation is impacted by the glorious liberty of the children of God, not the enslavement of the children of God, but the glorious liberty of the children of God. All creation is, is, is improved because you're here, praise God, and you walk in this liberty. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now, earnestly waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Like I told you, my kittens, they, they don't know they're looking for me, but when that door opens, they know what they're looking for then. They know I'm about to improve their lives. If it ain't nothing but a scratch on the ear or if it's, a, if it's food or if it's water, whatever it is, or if I'm going to bring them in and cuddle them a little while, all, they just know that when they see me, their life has just improved. This world may not be clamoring to run to your house to get you to tell them, but when you show up in their world and you show up in their lives, they're going to know that their lives can get better. Praise God. Amen. Can I have a good amen? I need a little help today. The world doesn't know the answer is you and Christ in you, but it's still the truth. Verse 13, instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Everybody say it shall not be cut off. I have news for you today. There's there's nothing else coming after. This new covenant is the last covenant. The New Testament does not call Jesus the second Adam. It calls him the last Adam. Preachers call him the second Adam, but the Bible does not say he's the second Adam. It says he's the last Adam. And the emphasis is on the last. He did come second to Adam, the first Adam, but he's not the second. He's the last. This ends it. If I say two, you're going to think three. <laughs> if I say last, you're going to think over. Okay? Okay? This new covenant is the last covenant, the last deal God ever has to make. And He made that deal with you. He made this deal so that you could live in it forever and not be wondering. It's the will of God for you to know that you're saved. It's the will of God for you to know that you're saved. It's the will of God for you to know that every good thing in Christ has come as a result of of your faith in him he's not looking to keep you out of heaven he's looking to get you to heaven he's not looking to keep you from getting blessed I heard a preacher not too many years ago talk about God hiding from him he said oh the Lord the Lord hides from us sometimes I was sat there in disbelief I thought the Lord has never hidden from me he didn't hide from Adam the day he sinned God came walking in the garden Adam where you at who was hiding? Adam. <laughs> the Lord wasn't hiding. Adam, where are you? Where are you? The Lord is looking for you. He's not hiding from you. He, he wants you in his life. He came looking for us when we weren't even interested in him. Praise God. He came looking for us before we even cared anything about him. Yes. The Lord's not hiding from you. He's manifesting himself, and he doesn't want you hiding from the world either. He wants you manifesting yourself to the world. Amen. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And let me me just remind you, it's not just the preacher's job to talk to people about Jesus. Thank you for your enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just the preacher's job to talk to people about Jesus. Amen. All right. I can't manifest the sons of God. I can train the sons and daughters of God when they're in the house. But it's your job to let the Spirit of God shine through you so that others can see they desperately need what you have. Oh, God knows they're desperate. A Lost, dying, sighing, crying world out there. They're desperate. You know the drug abuse that goes on in our county and all out in this, this southeastern Oklahoma area, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of suffering. A lot of heartbreak. A lot of people who are lost, lost, lost. And they need somebody who knows God to show up. Amen. I didn't say they need somebody who's perfect in every way. I said they need you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> they need somebody that knows God and and isn't, isn't concerned about your limitations or your imperfections. But you know what saved you. Hallelujah. It wasn't how you performed. How many of you are glad it wasn't how you performed that got you saved? It's how Jesus performed that got you saved and your faith in him. You go out there and talk to them about that let the Lord manifest your sonship to somebody because they desperately need to hear. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for these sure mercies of David. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful thing called eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for the faith of uh, of the undeserved, unmerited, unwarranted favor of God upon us. Thank you for these, your people today. I thank you, Lord, for the Word of God that goes out there. And I believe, Holy Spirit, that you will do what no preacher can do. And you will work with these hearts here to receive these truths to make a difference for our lives. Bless your people today in Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed, I want to ask, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you've never said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died for my sins according to the scriptures i believe you were buried and i believe you rose again from the dead this is this is what the bible talks about is our confession the essence of who we are is our confession in christ and what he did that he died for our sins he was buried and he rose again the third day but you have to make that confession for yourself it's not a it's not enough that your mother made it it's not enough that your grandmother made it it's not enough that your daddy or your uncle bob made it it's only enough that you've made that confession if you're here today and you say, Preacher, I need you to pray for me. I want to make that confession today. Would you raise a hand? Say, that's me. I want to be right with God. I want to be saved today. I want to know that if I die tonight, I'd go to heaven, praise God. I think, I'm i thankful for a route. I'm thankful for an open door. I'm thankful that there is a way. But I need to make sure that I'm on that way today. Anybody here today? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, Miss Ann's going to be here. She's going to be here. If you have any other needs, you want to you want to effect you want to put into effect these things you've heard today, and get on the high side of goodness and the mercies of God. Miss Anne is here to anoint you with oil, to pray for you, to believe God with you for whatever things you have in your life. She's a magnificent partner in ministry for me. Amen.